gospel reading for this morning comes from Mark's gospel, beginning in the fifth chapter at the 21st verse. And Mark wrote these things. After Jesus crossed over by boat, a large crowd met him at the seaside. One of the meeting place leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell to his knees beside himself as he begged, My dear daughter is at death's door. Come and lay hands on her so she will get well and live. And Jesus went with him, the whole crowd tagging along, pushing and jostling him. A woman who had suffered a condition of hemorrhaging for 12 years. A long succession of physicians had treated her and treated her badly, taking all her money and leaving her worse off than before, had heard about Jesus, and she slipped in from behind and touched his robe. She was thinking to herself, if I can put a finger on his robe, I can get well. And the moment she did it, the flow of blood dried up. She could feel the change and knew her plague was over and done with. At the same moment, Jesus felt energy discharging from him, and he turned around to the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said, What are you talking about? With this crowd pushing and jostling you, you're asking, Who touched me? Dozens have touched you. But he went on asking, looking around to see who had done it. And the woman, knowing what had happened, knowing she was the one, stepped up in fear and trembling and knelt before him and gave him the whole story. And Jesus said to her, Daughter, you took a risk of faith, and now you're healed and whole. Live well, live blessed. Be healed of your plague. And while he was still talking, some people came from the leader's house and told him, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And Jesus overheard what they were talking about and said to the leader, Don't listen to them. Just trust me. He permitted no one to go in with him except Peter, James, and John. And they entered the leader's house and pushed their way through the gossips looking for a story and neighbors bringing in casseroles. And Jesus was abrupt. Why all this busybody grief and gossip? This child isn't dead, she's sleeping. And provoked to sarcasm, they told him he didn't know what he was talking about. And when he had sent them all out, he took the child's father and mother along with his companions and entered the child's room. He clasped the girl's hand and said, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And at that, she was up and walking around. This girl was 12 years of age. They, of course, were all beside themselves with joy, and he gave them strict orders that no one was to know what had taken place in that room. And then he said, give her something to eat. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Pray with me, please. Lord, open our eyes that we may see you in our brothers and sisters. Lord, open our ears that we may hear the cries of the hungry, the cold, the frightened, and the oppressed. 
Lord, open our hearts that we may love each other as you love us. Renew us in your spirit, Lord. Free us and make us one. Amen. Lola the whale was big, very big, and lonely, very lonely. For years she had wanted nothing to do with anyone, and she had become sadder and sadder. And whenever anyone tried to get close to her and cheer her up, Lola would move off. Many thought that she was the most unpleasant whale in the world, and they started ignoring her. And they did so despite the fact that Turga, a hundred-year-old sea turtle, told them that Lola had always been a good and kind whale. Well, one day Flipper, a young dolphin, heard the story and decided to secretly follow the whale. And she found out that Lola behaved very strangely. The whale would beat her mouth against the rocks, endanger herself by swimming between the biggest waves in the coast, and go to the seafloor to eat sand. No one knew it, but Lola had terribly bad breath because a little fish got trapped in the corner of her mouth. And the problem embarrassed Lola so much that she didn't dare speak to anyone. And when Flipper realized this, she offered to help, but Lola didn't want to bother her with her bad breath, nor did she want anyone to find out. I don't want them to think that I have bad breath, said Lola. Well, is that why you have spent so much time away from everyone, asked Flipper, unable to believe it. They don't think you've got bad breath. They think you are an unpleasant, boring, and ungrateful whale, and that you hate everyone. Do you think that's better? Well, Lola realized that her pride, her exaggerated shyness, and not letting anyone help, had created an even greater problem. And full of regrets, she asked Flipper to remove the remains of the fish in her mouth. When this was done, Lola began speaking to everyone again. However, she had to make a big effort to be accepted again by her friends, and Lola decided that never again would she fail to ask for help when she really needed it. Now Jesus is again surrounded by a huge crowd. He's been crisscrossing the Sea of Galilee and the crowds they've been ever present. And suddenly, one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, he fell at Jesus' feet and he begged Jesus to come with him and help because his young daughter was dying. Now, as you well know, sometimes the leaders of the synagogues were among Jesus' opponents. But just as there are no atheists in foxholes, if your child is dying, you'll take a chance on any miracle worker you can find. That's not to say that Jairus was insincere, but it is to say that you wouldn't generally expect him to be falling at the feet of Jesus. He was a leader, a member of the power elite, and this Galilean preacher Jesus was anything but. 
Anyway, Jairus comes and begs Jesus to hurry to his daughter before she dies. And Jesus goes with him, and the crowd follows along like a herd of cattle. The mass moves to where Jairus lives. But then a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years appears, and she sneaks in from behind. She shouldn't be here. She has to sneak her way into the crowd, but she has also come to Jesus to be healed. And she thinks, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. And she reaches out and touches his cloak, and she can feel healing moving through her body. She is made well. But Jesus notices that some power has gone out of him. Who touched my clothes, he says. And the disciples, they just roll their eyes. There are many people pressing in on Jesus. Who can say who touched him? But the woman identifies herself and tells him about her life and how he has healed her. And Jesus calls her daughter and says that her faith has made her well to go in peace and to be healed. But now it gets ratcheted up a bit while Jesus is talking to this outcast, some people come from Jairus' house. Too late, they say. No need to come now. Your child is dead. You didn't get to her in time. And Jesus continues on to the house where everyone is waiting, and he tells them the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laugh at him. They ridicule him. And Jesus throws them all out of the house. He throws everyone out but the mother and the father and Peter, James, and John. And then he tells the girl to get up, and she gets up. And Jesus tells them to tell no one. And by the way, get the girl something to eat. I think we learn that Jesus prefers to not leave people in the condition in which he found them. He has the power to alter those conditions. Jairus' daughter is returned to life, and the woman with the hemorrhage is, through the power of Jesus, returned to health and to a place in the community. So we have to ask, I think, what does all this mean for us today? I really believe that we all have a tendency to become defined by our issues. Many of us walk around wearing our latest issue like a name tag. That's the young woman who has a bad attitude. That's the drunk from up the street. That's Lola, and she is unpleasant and boring and ungrateful. We become known by our issue. We become so totally wrapped up in what has happened to us that our current issue defines our attitudes, our actions, the way we talk, the way we behave, the way we believe. Often hurts that we suffered years ago come to define us. But you see, the woman's issue in the story, it did more than define her. Her issue disqualified her because she was constantly unclean. She was not welcome anywhere. She was not welcome at worship. 
She wasn't even allowed to enter the temple. She couldn't enter into relationships. She wasn't allowed to have relations with her husband or her children. Everything she touched and everyone she touched would be instantly unclean. She was isolated, cut off from meaningful relationship and service. She was disqualified by her issue. And you know, folks, I think that it sounds like many of us. Because of our issue, we feel disqualified from everything and everyone. I can't worship right now because of what's happening in my life. I can't serve. I can't help. I'm doing my best to just function at a base level day to day. I am cut off. Well, Scripture tells us that this issue had cost this woman everything. She'd spent everything she had, and the issue got worse. It cost her energy, resources, dignity. Everywhere she went, she was supposed to warn others, shouting, Unclean! Unclean! And she was finally driven to the point of desperation. But she pushed past her shame. She pushed past what the law required her to do. She pushed past the belief that nothing would ever change, and she reached out and latched onto the cloak of Jesus, believing that she would be healed. And Jesus told her that that faith is what has made her well. And he responds by claiming this outcast woman, calling her daughter. You see, Jairus has his daughter. And now Jesus claims this poor woman as his. The young girl has her advocate. The unclean woman now has hers. Each person is a person of sacred worth. Ala Rene Bozartu writes in that quote, The small plot of ground on which you were born cannot be expected to stay forever the same. Earth changes, and home becomes different places. You took flesh from clay, but the clay did not come from just one place. To feel alive, important, and safe, Know your own waters and hills, but no more. You have stars in your bones and oceans in blood. You have opposing terrain in each eye. You belong to the land and sky of your first cry. You belong to infinity. Amen. Oh,